1: Irish cream cold brew with cold foam now at Tim
2: Hortons, or try cold foam on any of your Tim Hortons favorites. Modifications extra for a limited time at participating U.S. locations. The we're going family style deal because I want a bite of your Big Mac and I need some of your Quarter Pounder. I'll try your fillet fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer.
0: Whether you're a skeptic or a believer. opinions, and conclusions expressed in the following program are those of the host, guests, and/or callers, and not those of Relmar McConnell Media Company, our corporate divisions or entities, the Exxon Broadcast Network, Simul Radio, Simul TV, our staff, management, advertisers, broadcast affiliates, and affiliated broadcast networks. Welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiecki, bringing together today's leading experts to uncover ever-deepening spiritual truths and the latest scientific developments in support of the evolution of humankind. For more information on Mission Evolution Radio with Gwilda Wiecki, visit www.missionevolution.org. And now, here's the host of Mission Evolution, Miss Gwilda Wiecki.
3: Dear friends, this is Mission Evolution Radio Show, where we share innovative thoughts with the day's leading scientific and esoteric experts supporting the path to unity and enlightenment. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be exploring more than a sum of your parts. Nature, in all her infinite wisdom, has created organisms within organisms that work together in perfect concert and synchronicity. The Earth itself is a living organism built from many and varied life forms. Even our physical bodies are communities of organisms, with only a small percentage of the overall cell count being human. Ages cycle, organisms and species come and go, but homeostasis has been maintained until now. At some point, humans started taking things, themselves included, out of the circle of life and treating them as if they were standalones, as if what happened to one part had no effect on the whole. We fail to take into consideration we're so much more than a sum of our parts. At first, the effects of this folly went unnoticed, but now it's clear we're in a crisis of our own making. We're confronted with extreme imbalances that threaten all life. Species are dying in droves, human life expectancy and overall health deteriorating. Our next steps will determine our fate. Can we use modern science, married with a deeper understanding of the workings of nature, to turn this mess around? With us this hour to address the human health portion of the equation is Dr. Rita Marie Loscalzo. Dr. Rita Marie, the author of Unstoppable Health, is a licensed doctor of chiropractic with certification in acupuncture, a diplomat of the American Clinical Nutrition Board, and founder of the Institute of Nutritional Endocrinology. She's a certified clinical nutritionalist with a master's degree in human nutrition and has completed a 500-hour herbal medicine certification program. She's also the founder of the Institute of Nutritional Endocrinology. Her website, DrRitaMarie.com. Dr. Rita Marie, thanks for joining us on Mission Evolution.
4: Thank you so much for having me here. I love your mission and your message, and I'm so excited to share.
3: I'm I'm glad you're here to share with us. You know, some of our listeners may not know, would you mind sharing how many years it takes to become a chiropractic doctor?
4: Uh, It takes four years. But that, coupled with all my other education, I'm, I call myself a perpetual student. <laughs>
3: you know, f- four years, is that on top of a college degree, or is that just all together?
4: Oh, no, that's on top of a, see, a four-year college degree, four years of that, and then, you know, internship and all. So, yeah, it's a, it's a big undertaking. Yes,
3: I thought so. I thought so. I mean, it's not too far from medical, what medical doctors go through. I you don't know. think most people know that. No, nope, it's very similar. Yeah. As a chiropractor, what prompted
4: your interest in nutrition? Well, what my interest in nutrition prompted me to go to chiropractic. So I had been having some health issues of my own and no Western doctors had any clue how to help me. I was in my mid-20s and I sought alternatives. And back in the 80s, there wasn't an internet. There weren't radio shows like this to elucidate. And so I had to learn things on my own. And after a couple of years, I found my own health back. I got my own health back and I determined that it shouldn't have to be this hard for folks so i decided to become a doctor so i could help and i explored the various alternatives at the time and you know without a relocation to go to let's say a naturopathic school in in Oregon or i didn't want to undertake medical school because of the some differences in our philosophies i decided that chiropractic would give me the education i needed And I got a master's degree in nutrition on top of that. And then certification in acupuncture and certification in herbal medicine. So it wasn't really the chiropractic, being a chiropractor that's prompted my interest in nutrition. It was my interest in nutrition that provoked me or promoted me to become a chiropractor.
3: So you're the founder of the Institute of Nutritional Endocrinology.
4: Where do you study endocrinology? Um, A lot of functional medicine trainings, um, postgraduate And a lot of self-study.
3: It's an interesting topic, isn't it? I mean, speaking of balance, what is the function of the endocrine system?
4: Yeah, that's a great question. I really believe it's the master controller. It controls everything, really. We think about the gastrointestinal tract and it controls digestion and the urinary tract controls elimination. But the endocrine system has far-reaching Uh, effects on the entire body. So we have specific glands that we think about as endocrine glands that produce hormones, but those hormones have target tissue all throughout the body. And there are some areas that we don't even think about as being endocrine, like the digestive tract, which produces more hormones than just about any, well, than any other part of the body. So it's really the master controller. It controls metabolic rate. It controls elimination. It controls digestion. It controls our response to stress. It controls blood sugar. It controls reproductive function and on and on. We know it, it strikes me that,
3: given that little piece of information, with all the gut problems that are developing um, in our society, we're in a lot of trouble.
4: Yeah, yeah, and there's such such an interplay between the different endocrine pieces. So the digestive tract affects everything pretty much, um, and the blood sugar, the insulin, which is a hormone produced in the pancreas, which is an endocrine gland and an exocrine gland, meaning that it produces substances that help with digestion, but it also produces endocrine hormones that travel around the body to affect everything. But we really see a huge interconnection between the thyroid and the the insulin producing, the thyroid and the digestion, the digestion and the adrenals, the adrenals and the thyroid et cetera, et cetera. So it's a very complex system and it really has to be balanced and fine-tuned for you to be optimally healthy. We can't just address symptoms. We can't just address a woman with hot flashes by giving her natural, you know, substances to get her in balance. We have to go deeper and discover why. Why is it out of balance and what's the interplay with the whole rest of the endocrine system? So what is the
3: main cause of hormonal imbalance? <laughs>
4: I believe it's choices. It's day to day choices that we make. It's the the environment, which is spewing out chemicals that disrupt endocrine function. It's the diet, which doesn't tend to be balanced if you're following a standard American diet. Plus, it contains a lot of toxicity and a lot of foreign chemicals to the body Um, it's the stress levels right in the olden days we just had to worry about a hungry tiger chasing us occasionally now we're worried about everything we're worried about the environment we're worried about financials we're worried about our kids and so people get into a stress mode 24 7 and i think that's that's like i think the huge piece is stress environmental stress dietary stress and mental emotional stress
3: you know stress is a huge factor and um there's um i've been talking to different doctors on the show and they're starting to find that the stress and the trauma is actually passed down genetically so we're kind of building on each other with that
4: yeah it's passed on in what we call an epigenetic pass down so genetics are what's in our dna blueprint and mm-hmm. epigenetics is how we turn on or off those genes. And that's really just based on the environment and trauma and emotional stress are all huge, huge players in passing that on intergenerationally. But the cool part about that is we can change that. We can change that for ourselves, even if we've been epigenetically um, inheriting these things, but also we can change it for our offspring. That's a
3: wonder. that's the good news. you know.
4: Yes, good news. It's totally How- good news. How can a person tell if they've developed
3: a hormonal imbalance? What are the first signs?
4: You know, a lot of times it's those subtle signs that people don't think about endocrine imbalance, fatigue. Now, fatigue can have tons of different causes, but a lot of them are endocrine in nature. There's um, brain fog. You hear a lot of people talking about that. When I first experienced brain fog back in the 80s, nobody was talking about it. I just thought I coined that name. It feels like my brain is foggy. I didn't read it anywhere. But now everybody's talking brain fog, that feeling of like being discombobulated, like not knowing where, what we're supposed to be doing or what's this person's name that I'm even talking to? Where did I leave my keys? Just not being able to fully present and function and focus. Um, depression, anxiety. All of those things can be signs of endocrine imbalance and definitely gut issues. The gut issues, like people think it's normal to have indigestion and because all the com- TV commercials tell you just take this over the counter, this, that, or the other thing, and you'll be fine. Well, it's really, you're not going to be fine. You're just suppressing symptoms. So those can all be signs of endocrine imbalance, you know, plus the obvious that we think about loss of libido and and um, hormonal issues around the menses or uh, menopausal issues, those kinds of things as well. Yes. So how how does
3: an endocrine uh, imbalance cause brain fog? They seem unrelated.
4: They seem unrelated, right. But here's the thing. There's a multitude of hormones that affect the brain and can create brain fog. Number one, if the thyroid isn't functioning optimally, none of the tissues get energy because it affects the metabolic rate. So the brain tissues are downregulated because they don't have the energy They don't have the metabolism. They don't have enough oxygen to actually function the way they're supposed to. Blood sugar is a huge issue when it comes to brain fog. Just like the, the term insulin resistance has become more popular these days, many people understand what that means, but it basically means that your cells are resistant to the signal from insulin to let sugar in, which actually helps them to make ATP, which is the energy currency, and help them function. Well, we used to think, and I was even taught in school, that the brain didn't need insulin to get sugar in. But now we're finding that that was totally false. The brain does need it, and the brain becomes insulin resistant. So if the brain's insulin resistant and we eat a meal and we're not allowing glucose to enter the brain cells, you're going to feel foggy unless you've oh. well, done gonna this to pick in a up way it. On-
3: we're going to have to pick up on insulin resistance on the other side of a commercial break. Okay. Dr. Rita Marie and I will return shortly, so don't go away. You're listening to the Mission Evolution Radio Show, coming to you on the Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. <laughs>
0: The views, opinions, and conclusions expressed in the following program are those of the host, guests, and or callers, and not those of Relmar McConnell Media Company, our corporate divisions, or entities, the Exxon Broadcast Network, Simul Radio, Simul TV, our staff, management, advertisers, broadcast affiliates, and affiliated broadcast networks.
3: This is the Mission Evolution radio show, missionevolution.org. We're dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. Our guest this hour is Dr. Rita Marie Los Caslos. Her website, drritamarie.com. Dr. Rita Marie, let's talk about what is the insulin resistance continuum?
4: Yes, let's talk about that. So, Uh, As we said, uh, just as a summary, insulin is a hormone that's produced by the pancreas that helps, I call it the escort service for glucose. So when we eat a meal and we have everything broken down, glucose gets into the bloodstream and needs to get into the cells to make energy so that we can do all our great functions. And over time, we develop insulin resistance by basically our lifestyle choices. Too much stress, uh, not enough sleep, foods that are high in carbohydrate and sugars and refined foods and processed fats that damage the receptors. And those receptors can no longer receive the sign from insulin to take that sugar into the blood. So we end up with high blood sugars. So the continuum continued continuum the spectrum is that we start out eating these foods that are require a lot of insulin for the body to process and so we start to produce a lot because the pancreas is just it does that it just okay make more make more make more and over time then we develop this resistance in the tissues to that because insulin itself can be damaging and so we go from hypoglycemic we go from maybe too much insulin to hypoglycemic and then we get to the point of True insulin resistance and then diabetes. Well, not everybody progresses to diabetes and people think, well, you know, I'm I'm not diabetic, so it's not a problem. But all the problems that happen when you become diabetic, like the the risk of blindness, foot amputation, retinopathies and neuropathies, they're called, kidney problems. All those are happening little by little, little by little over this long year's on this insulin resistance spectrum. And so what we need to do is intervene early, but the good news is we can intervene wherever we are, and we've seen people with full-blown diabetes reverse themselves in a couple of weeks to a couple of months. So how do our hormones
3: affect our digestion? We touched on that a little bit.
4: Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of things that happen there. So in the digestive tract, there's actually 26 that I know of And there may be more discovered by now, hormones that are actually produced by the digestive tract to help get the function going. So there are um, a couple of ways that there's hormones that affect the digestion and then there's hormones produced in the digestion. So say we're under stress the body produces a hormone called cortisol to help us mitigate that stress, to help us get away from hungry tigers. And so it does all these things like increase heart rate and increase the flow of blood to the extremities, it also increases blood sugar, so we have some some fuel to be able to run away. It also shuts down the digestive tract, and this is critical for people to know about. It shuts down the digestive tract so that we can focus all our energy and survival when we're being chased by a tiger. The thing about it is, fortunately, but also unfortunately, the the stressors in modern life are not hungry tigers. The stressors don't require physical prowess to deal with. They actually require mental prowess to deal with. They require us to, you know, make decisions or do things that um, uh, to respond to stressful situations. So but the same mechanisms happen. So we shut down digestion. So say you're sitting at the desk and you're looking at the computer and watching the financial statements and you're eating your lunch and getting all stressed out because you just lost a bunch of money in the stock market or you're worried that you will, then the digestive tract shuts down. So you're not digesting your food properly because you're under stress and You think about most people are under stress most of the time. They just don't know how to shift out of it. You know, And mindfulness practices and yoga, meditation, all that, help people with that. But the majority of people aren't doing that on a regular basis. So we have the stress hormones that affect the gut. Thyroid hormones affect the gut. Actually, in the gut, there's a conversion of the thyroid hormone T4, which is the inactive to T3. And about 25% of that happens in the gut. So that affects the gut function in that if we don't have enough T3, the cells don't get enough oxygen. It affects the thyroid in that if the gut's out of balance, the thyroid can't get converted, the hormone can't get converted. So that's just a few examples. There's lots more.
3: Well, I've heard a lot of people, doctors say that it all starts in the gut and it's starting to be very clear why they say that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so what is nutritional endocrinology?
4: So nutritional endocrinology is the Art and science of helping people restore balance to the endocrine system, which is basically the whole body, using nutritional concepts. And when I say nutritional, I mean, yeah, the food we take in, but everything that nourishes our body, the thoughts that we think, the media that we're watching, the relationships that we have, stress levels, all of that stuff feeds in to shifting the endocrine balance in the body. And that's what I call nutritional endocrinology. Well, you know, when you were describing
3: the fight or flight and where it used to be, that the, the fight or flight was originally designed to uh, put all our energy to either running or fighting because the threats were physical. Now that we're feeling threatened by things that we need to be mentally present for, and yet the fight or flight system is throwing us out of our mind and into
4: our body. And so we're battling that as well, aren't we? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. So one of the things that cortisol, the stress hormone does, is it shuts down the part of the brain we call the prefrontal cortex, which is our higher level thinking, our problem solving part, which is the one we need when we're trying to take a test, trying to deal with kid problems, financial problems, etc. It turns on what I call the lizard brain is a back part of the brain, which is the survival part, like how do we get our instincts going? to be able to get away from hungry tigers so in the physical threat we need the lizard brain but in the the uh, more day-to-day stresses that people have now we need the wizard brain is what i like to call the prefrontal cortex we need to be in our wizard to solve problems but we're shifting ourselves out of that but the good news is there's always good news is that we have control over that and when we get into a stressful situation if we're learning and practicing we can actually do some techniques to shift us out of that that's called the sympathetic nervous system that that fight flight into what's called the parasympathetic nervous system the rest digest reproduce repair all those good things that we want to happen happen in the control of the parasympathetic nervous system well you know our physical
3: bodies would appear to be designed to regenerate and maintain health would you go into that a little for us
4: yeah, we totally are. Like, you know, if you cut your arm, you don't have to do anything for habit repair. You just have to protect it. You just have to keep it from getting, you know, dirty and and abused and, and opened up more. Same thing with broken bones and all sorts of things. So the body has this innate built-in healing capacity, but we get in the way of it. So I'll give you a digestive, and we go back to that as an example. We have... A lot of things that assault our digestive tract that are you know, common everyday things that people eat and drink and, and even the thoughts. And the digestive tract gets disrupted, but we don't have the opportunity to let it rest like we would a broken arm. I mean, we do. There are cleansing and fasting practices that we can undertake, but we eat two to three times a day. Sometimes people eat five times a day. So we're constantly putting like salt on the wound, so to speak. And actually, sometimes quite literally, and we need to actually be able to get out of the inner healers way, we need to be able to get rid of the practices, the choices that we're making on a day to day level, that disrupt that healing, and allow it to heal and flourish. And then there's things we can do to support that healing, you know, foods that have specific nutrients that help support healing, etc. But the body is designed to regenerate and to heal. And yet, looking around, people, even
3: young people, seem to be becoming increasingly ill, toxic, and fat. What's going on there?
4: Well, again, I'm going to go back to food and environment are the main things and also stress. Young people are under more stress than they were. When we were kids, we actually went to kindergarten and played. Kids these days go to kindergarten and they're expected to do timed tests, timed math tests. I remember when my kid did it, it was like, oh, my God, why are you giving my my five-year-old, a timed math test when he should be out exploring the world. So we put a lot of stress on kids. We put a lot of, you know, these standardized exams and all this stuff and I'm all for kids reaching their potential but they also have to be creative kids creativity is turned off really young it's like they're everybody's criticized oh it has to be good it has to be perfect and so early on the stress builds the soccer games and instead of them just going out and kicking the ball and we don't care if they kick it in the wrong direction now it's like this really rigorous thing that the parents get really competitive and it puts a lot of stress on our kids so by the time they're teenagers they're feeling it a couple that with the food I people are feeding that their kids infant formula that's loaded with sugar and all sorts of things it's not organic it's not breast milk and yes, yeah, some women have a difficult time breastfeeding but there are ways to feed infants in a healthier way they're giving giving kids teething biscuits when they're seven months old full of you know refined white flour and sugar you know first birthday they're getting their birthday cake and they get their first huge dose of chocolate and all this and they get addicted to it and I watch people feed their kids. and I'm on an airplane and watching somebody feeding goldfish to their kids. They're feeding kids that food that is non-food. And when we can turn that around and feed the kids real food, like real food that comes from nature that's not adulterated and processed, then they can actually create a healthy body so that by the time they do reach their teens, they're not out of whack. And so insulin, going back to my favorite hormone, insulin. Insulin is what's called an anabolic hormone. It stores fat. It doesn't burn fat. So in the presence of insulin, we can't burn fat. And it it tends to cause the deposition of fat around the belly. And I remember going, to my son's swim meet right these are supposed to be the elite athletes who are doing these amazing things we're
3: gonna have to talk about swim meets on the other side of another short pause dr rita marie and i will return to our discussion on the other side of this break so you stay right there this is the mission evolution radio show more coming to you on the exxon broadcast network www.xedbn.net
0: Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. Rob McConnell here presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Ginix, author of a fascinating book, Amen.
4: Don't wait. Visit Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. To
0: understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the word of God. Love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. The views, opinions, and conclusions expressed in the following program are those of the host, guests, and or callers, and not those of Relmar McConnell Media Company, our corporate divisions or entities, the Exxon Broadcast Network, Simul Radio, Simul TV, our staff, management, advertisers, broadcast affiliates, and affiliated broadcast networks.
3: Welcome back. This is the Mission Evolution radio show, missionevolution.org, bringing leading-edge information, supporting the path to enlightenment. We're speaking with Dr. Rita Marie Loscalzo. Her website, drritamarie.com. Um, we were talking about what's what's happening to our youth and all the stress coupled with um, deteriorating nutrition at best. Is there a point of no return? I mean, a lot of us grew up in that situation. I wasn't nursed. I was fed, you know, canned milk as a baby and, and it went downhill from there. Right. Yeah. So, so I I've spent the rest of my life having to be very, very mindful of my diet and acquired food allergies. Is there a way to actually totally turn it around where you do have energy and you
4: do feel healthy again? Yeah, absolutely. I see this all the time. I mean, we really, it, it depending on how old you are and how many years of quote-unquote abuse you've had on your body, it may take longer. But I, I mean, I've seen people with, you know, diagnosed with Hashimoto's 50 years ago on tons of medication with hip HIPAA replacement, all that. So we were talking about how to turn
3: around the... Um... Um, um, deteriorating system of our, our health health decline. So uh, where were we there?
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was telling you a story about somebody who turned it around in like five months, just by shifting her diet, testing her blood sugar and getting it under control and eating foods that support the digestive tract, eliminating foods that hurt the digestive tract. And within four months she'd lost 75 pounds and her doctor took her off all medications because she said she was fine and she was 65 years old at the time we have a 78 year old who's reversing her diabetes in two weeks her numbers went from 160 to 180 to 97 to 105. it's amazing how much the regenerative Uh, properties of the body can help. It just depends on really what's going on and really looking at what are all the root causes? What are all the stressors that are hurting the body? And then turning it around. It's not quote unquote easy, right? It's not a pill taking thing. A lot of folks look at, oh, you do herbal medicine or functional medicine and and what herbs should I take for XYZ disease? But it's not that way. It's not a this for that. There's not a one-to-one correlation between your disease and some sort of herbal medicine or nutritional medicine that can help. It's really about restoring balance and identifying what those imbalances are and where they are in the body, where in the endocrine system, where in, in the digestive system, where all those imbalances are. And then one by one, you know, working on repairing and restoring. And it works.
3: It, it well, I worked so- for
4: me. <laughs> So
3: that um, sounds to me like it's a very individualized um, situation.
4: I think it is. I think, you know, there's, there's no one diet that works for everybody. There are some basic principles which I like to teach people. And then how do you individualize it? How do you try things and see how it works so that you can um, tweak it? Right. So maybe start with some core principles and then tweak it according to that. A big example for that, my son thrives on a a moderate, higher protein, moderate um, fat and higher carbohydrate. I thrive on a moderate protein, low carbohydrate, higher fat diet and we're both, we're just both individuals and we we have both found through trial and error what works yeah we start with the basics of real food but then even within the real food spectrum he's found one way i've found another and so, how, you know,
3: are there studies? How do we find out what's right for each individual? Is it just a uh, um, shot
4: in the dark, swing and miss? How do you, how no, do you figure that out? it's not shot in the dark or swing and miss. It's starting with basic good principles, like eliminating the processed foods, eliminating the sugars, um, eliminating the things that hurt the body that we know that we found in studies and, and clinical trials have hurt the body. And then within the quote unquote good foods there may be certain foods that disagree with you so you start to go okay i'm going to start doing this process i'm going to eat more greens or i'm going to you know eat whole food plant-based fats or whatever and you figure out what your body tolerates well if i eat too much of the fat then my body you know digestive tract doesn't work So and then healing, like what's going on in the gut, there are some assessments that you can do, um, some functional assessments that you can do, basic lab analysis that every doctor does on every person every year, if they go in for their, their um, lab screening or their, their physical, that can give us amazing clues into what's going on nutritionally and biochemically in the body, things that most docs aren't looking at. But yeah, there's lots of studies that support it. So
3: what is a functional um, um, assessment?
4: Yeah, it's looking at how the body functions. So the typical uh, blood test that you might get if you go in for your annual exam, the doctor's looking and it's just looking to see what did the lab flag as out of range. And it's either you're diseased or you're not diseased, right? So if those things go out of balance in their ranges, you probably have some sort of disease process going on. But that's kind of late in the process to discover it. I don't want to discover I have a disease after I have the disease. I want to discover if I have imbalances in my body that might lead me to functional impairment that might lead to disease. And so we look at general blood testing. We look at stools testing. We look at saliva testing. We look at all sorts of pieces of the body to determine how well they're functioning. Are they functioning at at optimal? So what is, we've been
3: talking about it, but what exactly is disease? We've been talking the difference between imbalance and then when it becomes disease, and it seems like that's probably a continuum. Uh, What exactly is
4: disease? Yeah, there is a continuum. So there's a continuum from, uh, you can be optimally healthy, your body's maximized, everything's great. You can be imbalanced, but maybe not optimal. Right. Maybe you can be stronger. Maybe you can have better digestion, but you're pretty balanced. You can go to imbalanced state, which is a more of a dysfunction state. So maybe some nutrient levels are deficient or some toxic levels are excess of digestion isn't functioning quite right. Hormone levels aren't quite right. Uh, but there's no physical shift in the tissue. There's no tissue damage. Then we go to disease where there's these diagnosis that we learn in in training to understand what symptoms go to what disease. So if somebody has, say, um, liver enzymes elevated, there's damage to the liver, they have cirrhosis of the liver, that's a disease, right? Gastritis and ulcer, that's a disease. But excess stomach acid or too little stomach acid or, you know, decrease in the enzyme production, that's more of a a dysfunction or an imbalance that can be easily corrected at the disease state yes the body can heal but in some cases we've passed the point of no return but we can still prevent further damage and give moderate improvement we may not be able to p- reverse something from a, a c- serious disease data but uh, that said ulcers. I see those reverse. I see Hashimoto's and autoimmune disease reverse. I see reversals in uh, gastritis and all kinds of itis type disease, arthritis. People have arthritic changes. Um, I see reversals in a lot of that stuff, and I see reversals in cancer. So it's just a, takes a little bit more work and a little bit more effort to do the repair and restore phase when somebody already has a disease than if they just have some slight imbalances that can restore restore them to optimal function pretty quickly. When so you're
3: talking about itises. It sounds like a lot of the treatment is on inflammation. Is that correct? <laughs>
4: a lot of it right think about all of our diseases so many of them end in itis those are those are inflammation diseases and there's there are foods that help to create inflammation. There's foods that help to reverse inflammation. A lot of studies, you might've heard of turmeric. There's a lot of things in the the work about turmeric as being like, you know, it's not a wonder drug and, but it is definitely something that can be included in your food supply. Ginger, Boswellia, which is from frankincense, which is an herb that can be used in inflammation. There's all sorts of herbs that can be used in it but we really have to stop the fire at the source right if the firefighters come in and put the the fire out in a part of your house but you're like throwing matches at the books in that area of the house you're not going to stop the fire from recurring and that's where modern medicine tends to fall short is that they address the the presenting symptoms and get them under controls. A lot of times with very potent pharmaceuticals, but they're not looking at the root. And if you're not addressing the root and you're suppressing the symptoms, that underlying cause can be creating problems in other parts of the body. So we really need to look at what is causing this inflammation. Yes, indeed, people deserve to get symptom relief, but we really need to we owe it to them to get to the root cause so that we don't suppress a symptom in one area and then it pops up in another.
3: I start chasing symptoms around. Yeah. Oh, it seems like we do a lot of that right now. We do now. a
4: lot of that in modern medicine, and that's what we in the functional medicine uh, health optimization area are looking to shift.
3: Okay, well, it's about time to take another quick break. Dr. Rita Marie and I will be back shortly, so don't leave us now. This is the Mission Evolution Radio Show on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.exedbn.net.
2: Christopher Fulton is a survivor of the National Security State. All he wanted to do was preserve history when he acquired a Cartier watch from the estate of President Kennedy's personal secretary. But that simple act set off a terrible chain reaction. He was pursued by the US Justice Department and the FBI, thrust into the middle of the US government's Assassination Records Review Board, even monitored and pursued by the Russian government. All because that Cartier watch was the missing link of evidence, a timepiece worn by JFK that fateful day in Dallas, a link resulting in Christopher being incarcerated and attacked for nine years because he opened a hidden chapter in history. The intriguing journey outlined fully in Christopher Fulton's memoir, The Inheritance, is available now through TryAndAid.com or Amazon.com. The Inheritance, Poisoned Fruit of JFK's Assassination by Christopher and Michelle Fulton is a must-read. An incredible tale of how easily our own government can overrule justice. The Inheritance, Poisoned Fruit of JFK's Assassination.
0: The views, opinions, and conclusions expressed in the following program are those of the host, guests, and or callers, and not those of Relmar McConnell Media Company, our corporate divisions, or entities, the Exxon Broadcast Network, Simul Radio, Simul TV, our staff, management, advertisers, broadcast affiliates, and affiliated broadcast networks.
3: Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution Radio Show, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. To suggest a topic or guest, email us at info at Our guest this hour is Dr. Rita Marie Loscalzo. Her website, drritamarie.com. Um, we were talking about... Um, Um, how we're going in circles and chasing symptoms around. Is there a combination that that we can start to engage in? Yes, we need to be treating um, a disease and, and finding relief. And can we do both at the same time, treat a disease, find relief in the traditional medicine way, and start supporting ourselves nutritionally and with herbs and whatnot? Is there a way to bring the two together that's better than either one alone?
4: Yeah, absolutely there's ways i mean from a, from the standpoint of treating the disease i think that's the root, that's getting to the root cause but treating the symptoms you know if people are in a lot of pain you need to help with the pain and when you look at the underlying causes it's going to take a while it's going to take some lifestyle changes but yes a combination of the two can work well i mean there are symptom relief approaches that are um from a more natural method that we can look at, but sometimes it's not enough. Sometimes the pain is so severe and people need immediate relief that taking that Tylenol or aspirin to get that pain down, um, especially in an acute trauma, but then working on what's going on, like break an arm, right? You're gonna go in and have surgery because your arm is broken. There's you, you need to have the surgery to put the bone back together, but then you allow the innate uh, um, healing powers of the body and you provide the proper environment the proper nutrition the proper herbs the the rest the sleep the stress management and all that so how can we use modern
3: science married with a deeper understanding of the workings of nature to return to our health
4: yeah so that's where i think that the 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 testing approaches come in so we're working with somebody and i'm not a big fan of you know doing 2000 dollars worth of testing when i first see someone i want to first help them to establish some Uh, baselines unless they've already been through all the baselines and then we want to do some testing but the testing we have some really great testing facilities and mechanisms to really learn what's going on learn what those nutritional imbalances are what the fat balances are if there's toxic overload in the body etc so we we put together the modern science we didn't have that in ancient years we just went on the presentation and we have that but the ancient Um, approach to eat real food like eat real food eat food that comes from nature eat food that hasn't been adulterated and eat food in the quantities and the proportions that you need to maintain that optimal and so when we can look inside the body and do some testing we can get a sense of what's actually there in the body and then adapt the food and the stress management and all that to what we're finding from the testing
3: you know, you brought up a good point. If we, if we look back into history, uh, you know, about herbs and treatment and that sort of thing, um, in ancient, ancient times, uh, the, uh, herbs were wildcrafted, and mm-hmm. that's, that's what, how we treated um, imbalances. And then pretty soon they started growing herbs for particular purposes, and we used those. Then we started pulling out constituent parts so that it was more um, direct, and then pretty soon we start synthesizing those, and that led us to our modern medicine. Is there a way to turn around that process so that we move from the more extreme and, you know, uh,
4: synthesized back into the more natural? Well, I believe there is. And, you know, I think what it's really going to take is a shift in the paradigm, a shift in people's requirements and requests people have gotten conditioned that you go to the doctor you have some stuff they're going to give you a drug it's going to take away the disease and you're going to be fine and so shifting people's paradigm about that and shifting and educating medical practitioners which is what i why i started the institute of nutritional endocrinology to retrain health practitioners to think about it in that way, right? That we look at it as a, like we talked about continuum with insulin resistance. There's a continuum with treatment approaches. And I say, starting with, the food and the lifestyle and choices. And then we go to herbs and more concentrated superfood constituents. And then if that's not working, then we might look at lo- looking at bioidentical hormones and um, other like extracts of those herbs that may be potent potentized for specific actions. And then the last resort, and homeopathy would fit in there somewhere for those who believe in that. Um, and then the last, the last resort is medicine. So it's really teaching people that there are alternatives. I remember one medical doctor who I trained going, oh, my God, I, I, I feel so badly for these thousands of people. I've prescribed you know, antacids for their ulcers when, indeed, I had all these other things I could have been doing that would have, wouldn't have been damaging them. So have there been any studies um, done that
3: substantiate this uh, approach? Oh, there's, there's thousands of studies that substantiate the approach. That's good to know. <laughs>
4: yeah, thousands, yeah. yeah, literally.
3: You know, it's hard to evolve if one's in a state of imbalance and ill health. What's the most important step most people can take to regain health and balance?
4: You know, here's a very important step, and this is what I feel. Is so many people are in the state of overwhelm, the state of wanting to do it perfectly, the state of, like, I have to do it right. And I think, you know, starting point would be, some sort of a mindfulness practice, right? Some sort of a (sighs) way to breathe and go, it's okay. Getting in touch with what you want most, having that positive attitude that my body can heal. I just need to supply it the right environment. And that right environment starts by getting out of the sympathetic nervous system and into the parasympathetic nervous system. So what's the
3: main thing preventing for most people living to their full potential at this point? Can't evolve unless we reach our potential, right?
4: Yeah, we can't evolve unless we reach our potential. But what's preventing it is I think what's between our ears gets in the way most of the time. Like old beliefs that we picked up when we were little kids, limiting beliefs that we picked up as little kids, bad habits that we picked up as little kids, and addictions and things like that that we picked up to foods and to substances – And I think that it really, we just need to reverse that stuff. And yeah, it's, it's easy to say it's harder to do. And I find that there are a lot of people who are like, okay, I'm eating whole real foods. I'm eating this, I'm eating that, but I'm still not better. I'm still not better because they haven't really let themselves get into that state of trusting that their body is going to do the right thing when they give it the right thing.
3: Boy, trust is a big issue, isn't it?
4: Big issue. Because when we're not in trust, we're in fear, we're in fear, we're in in fight or flight, when we're in fight or flight, here we
3: go. (laughs)
4: Exactly. Fear is probably the biggest deterrent for everybody reaching their full potential. How important is it to reunite
3: with the way life works in order to regain health balance and hopefully evolve?
4: Yeah, so when you say the way life works, I assume you mean like in, in harmony with our environment, in harmony with each other because that's what I think about how life should work, right? We're intended to just be just living as this ecosystem and we all support each other and the world supports us and we don't damage and destroy the world. So really getting in touch with, um, who we are and what our purpose is is super important and then knowing that there's no competition out there it's just collaboration and we all need to be in collaboration with each other to be able to create this world where we're not destroying it
3: we well, you know and like you brought up the children from pre uh, preschool on are taught to compete yes right you know their their self worth is on on performance not accessing their their nature or what they really right. love how can we turn
4: that around for people i think education educating parents like having prenatal classes not just in breathing so that the birth goes well but how do you really take this little being and support them and nurture them through and i did not allow my kids to watch tv unless i you know got a video and stuck it in because i thought that the attitudes and the the competition that they would see even on their little kids' shows was horrific so i think it, c- protecting them from that really it starts with getting in touch with what you want most so if you're a parent or what i want most as a parent is to raise this this being, this person that becomes this stable and happy and balanced and contributing human being. So if that's my goal, what do I have to do as a parent to do that? Well, I have to be there to love and nurture them and support them and not sit them in front of a TV, but be active with them and creative and run around outdoors and teach them the appreciation of nature and teach them how to nourish their bodies and what good foods to put in and how There's a lot of non-food out there, and we just don't put that in our bodies and teach them a respect for their bodies, for each other, for life in general.
3: Sounds to me like we have to find that ourselves first before we can share it with our children, though, right?
4: Yes, we do. We do.
3: I mean, most of us don't even recognize how deep the, the distortion runs in our food, in
4: our lifestyles. How do we start to become aware of that? you know it's education it's like shows like this exposing people to experts um you know, we do, we have online communities where we have people coming together and we're supporting them through a process of repair. And then they have each other to talk to and they learn from each other. And I think it's, it's, it is a community thing. I think we can't just do it in isolation. We have to do it as groups. And I think this is a great way to start is educate and listen and open up your eyes. For me, it was like, I was in my 20s and not feeling well, and all these things were being thrown at me. And when I actually started reading and educating myself, a whole new world opened up to me. And I realized, wow, this has been going on. And yeah, it's an unlearning. It really is an unlearning. It's a learning and an unlearning.
3: As always, time has flown, but now we're out of it. Dr. Rita Marie, thank you so, so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. Our guest this hour has been author of Unstoppable Health, Dr. Rita Marie Los Casos. She's the diplomat of the American Clinical Nutritional Board and founder of the Institute of Nutritional Endocrinology. Her website, drritamarie.com. For our amazing past episode collection, visit our website, www.missionevolution.org. This has been Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiecka on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xedbn.net Join us next time as the mission continues, bringing information, resources, and support to an evolving world.